Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Psalm 23 and verse 5. Can you look on your screens today? Psalm 23 and verse 5. You can look in your Bible, but also look in your screens because I want us to read this out loud and loudly today. And let's fill this house with the voice of God's word today. Can we read together? Look on the screens and let's read. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Lord, as we... Go over your word today. I pray that you'd custom tailor it to each person. God, so that nobody walks out of here and say, that was all right. Lord, help it to speak to us. God, I pray that you'd speak to each one of our hearts. Holy Spirit, show us how it applies to us. Show us what we need to change so that we could become more like Jesus. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and we all said amen. 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 Hey, have you ever walked into a restaurant and when you walk into the restaurant, uh, they always will say, hey, how many? And you say, a table for, now we have four kids, um, and so we always say a table for six if it's just our family. Many times we'll go out with other people as well, and so we'll say a table for eight or a table for ten, and they always do the same thing. They go, oh, <laughs> like, why so many, you know? Uh, and, and so when we go out, uh, if we'll go out to a restaurant, a lot of times there's a wait, you know? Like you, you go and you say, table for six, and then they'll say, oh, you know, that'll be an hour. It's an hour? Well, can I call in advance? No, you have to show up at the time. Well, what's up with that? You know, I'm hungry now. I'm not hungry in an hour. Right? What am I supposed to eat in the lobby while I'm waiting or what? I mean, I'm, or eat in the waiting room? I'm hungry now. And so, but it's different when my wife and I will go out. We'll say, hey, let's grab lunch. Sometimes I'll come home and we'll go grab lunch together. And, uh, but when we go to lunch and they'll say, for how many? And I'll say, for two. Oh, yeah, come right this way. It's a lot easier to seat for two. And, uh, and then sometimes they'll put you right in the middle of a big crowd and we'll say, hey, can we have a table kind of over in the corner or somewhere where we can have a conversation and just kind of be alone? Because I did go out to lunch with my wife for a reason. I kind of want to talk with her and not a bunch of other people, you know, and stuff. So they'll say, oh, well, sure, you know, and they'll put us over here. But it's a table for two. It's a lot easier to get seated, but it also is, I have to feel comfortable with my wife to be able to do that because I know that we're going to have conversation. It's not always heart to heart, close, holding hands, crying. Most of the time, it's never that. It's usually just like, where were you? Uh, wh- what meeting did you have last night? Or what did you have with this? Or what are you doing this week? Or, you know, and we're kind of just talking logistics about the week or things like that a lot of times when we do. But a family of six, I know that we have the, the, uh, the Roberts family and they have six kids and they have a family of eight. Do you know it's actually illegal to go to a restaurant with a family of eight right now? I think there's a max of six. So your family would have to go to two different booths, right? Just to go. So you just say, ah, forget it. We're not, we're not going to go out. But I'll tell you, it's a lot easier for two, but it's a lot more intimate for two as well. You know, some people are uncomfortable. Even in their relationships, they're uncomfortable being alone, being one-on-one, having conversation. I've had sometimes people, would, uh, relationships would come and talk with me and would say, hey, we just wanted to talk because we just want to talk this out. And, uh, and I'll ask them some questions and they'll begin to talk to one another about something. And I'll say, well, have you told them that? Well, no, I've never told them that. Well, aren't you married? No, 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 
don't you sleep together? Like, don't you talk together? Don't you wake up? Why haven't you told him that? Oh, I just haven't felt open enough to tell him that. You know, in a, in a relationship, you have to relate. That's the point, the, the root word of relationship. You have to be able to relate to one another, communicate, talk to one another, and the best relationships have communication with one another. If you want a relationship with God, you have to be able to open your heart to him in the most intimate way, one-on-one. I know that uh, some people in life never feel comfortable with quietness. Do you know what I mean? You get into a room and you always have to have noise. You always have to have the radio. You always have to have some. And I think sometimes because it's, sometimes people will just say, well, it's just, uh, it's just to still all the noise that's going on on the inside. And I say, yeah, but if you left the external noise away uh, off for long enough, eventually it will still. For long enough. In other words, if you get quiet, it might, have you ever just stopped? Quiet is uncomfortable sometimes. Let me, let me just point that out as an example. is it going to be quiet? <laughs> God, it's ridiculous. Get this message on. Let's get going. <laughs> right? It's uncomfortable to be quiet. But it's the quiet times that sometimes you get to the root of the problem. You get to the root of the heart. If you're jumping in a pool, you're not going in the shallow end. You're going into the deep end. And sometimes we just feel comfortable with God staying in the shallow. And it's, it's called a, what is it called? Like a fun pool, like a little pool. Where gets, it's called a splash pool. And sometimes our relationship relates to, with God, it relates to just like a splash pool. Fun toys, splash around, enjoy it. Yay, God. Yay, God. Wasn't that a good worship time? Oh, it's just, yeah, it's great. Yeah, right? But never really get to the deep end and to having a place with God you know, Psalm 23 is a very personal psalm. I know that we all like it and we read it at funerals, <laughs> read it at weddings, read it in our, in our times of just like, let's all read Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I... But do you know it's a very, very personal psalm? In fact, the, a shepherd writes it and he says, the Lord, listen, is, he didn't say our shepherd. What did he say? The Lord is, you ever lost your way and you don't know which way you're going and you have to just stop and say, I have a shepherd, not we, I have a shepherd. I'm a sheep and I have a shepherd. The Lord is, say it with me, my shepherd. And then what does he say? We shall not want. No, what does he say? I shall not want, I shall not lack. Just stop and think about that for a minute. You have a shepherd, you, not we, you. He leads you. And listen, because of that, you will not lack. Let me ask you, how could a sheep lack? You think a sheep's lacking money, not lacking greens, lacking greenbacks, lacking dollars, dough, money, cash? You think, uh, what, would a, what would a sheep lack? Grass, <laughs> right? Food, provision, shelter. 
So he says, I shall not lack. So what does he say? He makes me, he makes me personal to lie down in green pastures. A sheep needs rest in a quiet place. He leads me beside still waters. He needs rest. He needs grass to eat. He needs water to drink, right? And then he does what? He restores my soul. What is he saying? He's saying when a sheep has gone through maybe danger or things like that, and maybe they just need comfort, and he comes and somehow shows the sheep that he's taken care of. And he goes on and he says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, and yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. But really, coming back to this in verse 5, he says, you prepare a table, notice before who? He didn't say we're sitting, at, you have a banqueting table before us. He said, you made a table for me. <laughs> table for, really it's a table for two. It's a table for you and God. Walking into a restaurant, walking into a place and saying, hey, it's just for two. It's just for us. Can I tell you, your worship with the Lord is a table for two. We can have corporate worship. But corporate is kind of the opposite of what worship is. Worship is one-on-one, face-to-face, one-on-one. And corporate is, means us collectively. Let me ask you, um, can, can we have corporate intimacy? Right? That's something that's multiples all together. Listen, intimacy is one-on-one, face-to-face. You and God. So when we're talking about corporate we're talking about worship. There is corporate worship, but it's still, it's collective, but it's also one on one with God. And I think sometimes people feel comfortable maybe with worship in church because they don't have to get one on one anymore. But if your worship stops in corporate settings, it would be the same as if my wife's and I's only physical or contact or relationship was she comes up here and greets and I go, oh, so glad you're here. Oh, hey, good. And then I don't see her the rest of the week. That's no relationship. That's a public display. It's called fake. And I think that if our only worship is corporate worship, then we never really developed an intimacy, a table for two with the Lord. You, you, you catch what I'm saying today? He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Notice it's personal care and it's honor. It's a table, really a table for two here. God isn't inviting you out to fast food. <laughs> God, how, how many love fast food? Come on, somebody just be loud and proud and admit it. Oh, good, we have some people who love fast food. And how many would just say, I don't like fast food? <laughs> Sometimes I have to succumb to it, but okay. Yeah, it's, uh, others in here. But listen, fast food is something that you just say, let's go grab some fast food, let's do a drive through let's do a quick drive through or something. But it's different than a dinner for two. It's different than sitting down across from one another and talking. It's kind of like, let's grab something on the way. It's not about the honor and the fellowship. It's about getting through this so we can get back to work or get back to whatever we're doing. God isn't inviting you out to fast food. He says, no, he prepares a table. That's a place you sit down and have conversation and eat together before me. It's more of an intimate dinner or, or like a picnic, right? You fall in love with somebody in a relationship. You fall in love with somebody and you say, hey, you want to go out? Hey, let's go on a picnic. And you just think, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to not go, you know, I want to go make my own food, put it in a basket and walk out to some grass and talk to you. Well, no, it's not about the picnic. It's about the conversation. 
at the picnic. It's about the we're out here in nature all by ourselves with this little, you know, with this blanket and the little picnic basket, right? And we're looking at one another and saying, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? You don't ever look and say, how's the food? You could care less about the food. The food is a byproduct, right? (laughs) What you talking about? I like the food. (laughs) No, the food's a byproduct. It's about the relationship. It's about the intimacy. It's about the one-on-one. Notice we don't usually have picnics to say, hey, how about the six of us go out for a little picnic? I ain't going on a picnic. Let's go to a restaurant or let's go to, you know, so. No, it's usually something that's, that's for closeness. Not always, not always a relational intimacy like a husband and a wife or, or, or a dating couple or something. But sometimes it's just friendship. Hey, let's, let, let's take some time together. He says, you prepare a table before me, notice, in the presence of my enemies. When people are hot against me, there's people who don't like me. Here's how God shows he likes you. He says, line them all up. And I'm going to sit down and have fellowship with you in front of all (laughs) y'all. Because God's from the south and he does does know how to talk that way, right? Okay, he's going to have a prepare a table before me. And then he goes on and says, you anoint my head with oil. You anoint my head with oil. I think that's interesting because we kind of go, what's that mean? You anoint my head. Well, there's a significance of oil and a fragrance before dinner. In fact, um, in the, of the two kinds of oils that we see in the Bible, there's a priestly anointing oil. And then there's also a Eastern culture perfumed type uh, oil. Uh, that, and it shows excellence, it shows hospitality. It's kind of like when you walk into a fine restaurant, if you've been to a fine restaurant, and they hand you a hot towel, right? And you take it, and you wipe your hands, and you go, this smells good. <laughs> you know, man, this is, <laughs> you just want to take a bath, and it feels so good. Or you walk into the bathroom, right? And in the restroom, they have cloth towels, and they have even sometimes some perfume and some breath, um, you know, it's mouthwash or something. What they're doing is they're, they're refreshing themselves, smelling good, looking good, feeling good before they sit down and have some fellowship and some dinner. He said, you anoint my head with oil, Lord. That's what you do for me. Uh, the head anointed with perfume oil. This preceded feasts of ancient times that they would have. Other restaurants, you know, you walk into, you can't even find a napkin. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're like, man, they didn't even give me some napkins, right? You walk into a place, and, well, you have to ask for napkins. What, you don't think I need napkins? You think just the people who ask for them need napkins? You know? But, 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 the, but if you really want to be taken care of, they, they take care of you. They, they, they give you to where you can be clean and be ready for the meal. In Psalm 104, let me just give you a couple of examples here. You don't have to turn there. But Psalm 104, this is a couple of examples of anointing our head with oil. Verse 15, it says, And wine that makes the heart of man, makes glad the heart of man, and oil to make his face shine. This is what you do. And bread with strength, with strength and bread which strengthens man's heart. What is he saying? He's saying, Wine that makes the heart of man glad, oil to make his face shine, and bread with strange with. Why do I my Why am I hung up on that? And bread which strengthens man's heart, oil to make his face shine. Matthew chapter twenty six. We know the example. I think we just kind of sang about it. Earlier, Matthew 26, verse 9, it says, And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman 
came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly oil. She had like Chanel number nine, okay? I mean, she busted out and said, what's she doing with that? I haven't seen that for a while, girl. Come on, girl, right? It says she, she took out this very costly fragrant oil and she poured it on his head, right? If you saw someone pouring Chanel number nine, you say, girl, give me that thing. Sell that thing. Give some of the money to Jesus. What are you talking about wasting it, right? No, she poured this very costly oil on his head as he sat down at the table. What was she doing? She was anointing him with oil, right? And it says, but when the disciples saw it, they were ticked off, indignant, and said, why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much more and given to the poor because we really care about the poor. They didn't care about the poor. <laughs> they just wanted to make sure she didn't waste that money. Come on, don't, don't waste that money. Listen, why is this, Jesus looks back, why is this waste? Have you ever felt that you were wasting time worshiping God? Have you ever felt like it was a waste of time to stop and have a table for two with God? Have you ever felt like you were in one-on-one -on -one with God and all of a sudden some, an email comes up or a message comes up and you're like, I got to get on with my day. Sort of like to the important stuff because this was what I needed to do to precede the real day that I have. Now, listen, if you have a job to get to at a certain time, get to that job on time. Just wake up early. I'm not talking about be late and get fired and blame it on God. <laughs> I've had people pray for me, Pastor. They fired me. I was spending time with the Lord. I said, I'd fire you too. You need to get there on time. I said, wake up early and go to bed earlier, right? I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying... It's not a waste of time to spend time with the Lord, though it can feel like that. It's not a waste of time to, to, to put your precious things into the Lord. They, she anointed him with oil. The same story we read in Mark chapter 14. It says, she has done what she could. Jesus said this. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached, the whole world, what this woman has done will be told as a, a memorial. Listen, the woman giving something very costly, maybe for us it's our time, maybe for us it's our pride, maybe for us it's just something that's valuable. She's giving something very costly, and for history there'll be a memorial. First of all, she was written up in the Bible. So that we keep singing and talking about this alabaster woman. And you're like, the, the, the what woman? Alabaster woman. <laughs> I was want the, it's an alabaster woman. No, it's the woman. It's the perfume. It would be like we say Chanel number nine woman. It's the woman who puts something valuable on Jesus. So that she can be close to him. It was a big deal to Jesus. And she was written up about it. Then in Luke chapter 7. Verse 45, let me just show you what Jesus said. We're talking about the oil. It says, and Jesus said to his disciples, when you walked in the room today, you didn't kiss me on the cheek. You didn't come up and give me a hug. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. Verse 46, it says, and you did not anoint my head with oil. See, there's something about Jesus loving something very precious being poured out on him. Right? We like it, again, you walk into a restaurant, give you hot hand, hand towels and something to freshen your breath and something to get. Jesus loves to be loved and taken care of. He's not selfish, but he does love to be loved. He said, you didn't anoint my head with oil, but this woman's anointed my feet with fragrant oil. She's put perfume on my feet. How many of you put per perfume on your feet? Some of you don't even put perfume on, but I'm saying, you know, you, you, she put it on, her, on my feet, he's saying. Therefore, I say to her, her sins, which are many, will be forgiven. 
for she loved much, and to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this that even forgives sin? And he said to this woman, notice what he said to her, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Let me tell you, it takes faith to worship God. It takes faith to take your precious time, the precious things you have, to lay them aside and to say, God, I consider my time with you, the oil I can pour on you, so to speak, my relationship with you, my time with you, the fragrance of our fellowship, very precious to me. He says, you prepare a table before me, Psalm 23, in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Cup runs over. Not only do, do, when, when he gives us and prepares a table for us, does he do it? Does he give us food to eat and nourishment? But he says, I'm going to give you whole, plenty of wholesome drink too. I'm going to make sure that you have plenty to drink too. Good service gives you refills, right? You walk into a restaurant and, and, and you're like, you say, I want some tea, some iced tea, right? And then they, they give you sweet or unsweet, right? <laughs> sweet or unsweet, okay? You say, well, da-da-da-da, whatever it is that you like. And then you come and then you're thirsty and you drink it down in about 30 seconds. And then you're like 10 minutes later, well, where are they, man? I, I, want, I want more tea. Sometimes I'll just, I'm so thirsty, I'll just say, I want two glasses of tea. And they'll say, two, you, you really want two? <laughs> yeah, just in case. I'm just helping you out, I, prom- I promise you. I just want two or a, or a glass and a pitcher, both. And they say, all right. Lots of times they'll just accommodate me and smile. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate it, right? The Bible says my cup runs over. God is not looking to cheat you. God is not looking to take you out and, and you be on a cheap, quick date. He's looking to spend time with you, to set a table before you, to to anoint you with oil, to give you refills on your drink, to bless you, to talk with you, to spend time with you. But also you see here, we read the scriptures, that he's looking for people who have a heart to anoint him and to sit with him and to give him something costly. See, it's not just about his relationship with us, it's about or his service to us as if God is a service commodity. It's about our service back to him. We love him because he first loved us. That that means God initiated it so we come and follow up. But it also says in the Bible, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you, which means we initiate it. Right? One scripture says he initiates it and then he re- and then we respond. The other scripture says we initiate it and then he responds. What is it? It's a table for two. It's a two-way relationship. We have to be able to receive the nourishment, the oil, the washing, the drink, the love, the honor, the respect, the esteem from the Lord. But we also have to not just say, that was a good dinner, I'm ready for the check. Come on, I'm ready for the check. You know what I mean? That means like, I'm done, I'm done, I got what I needed. Give me the check, I'm out of here. No, it's time sometimes to stop and to say, Jesus Not just this prayer is what I need today and what I want. It's what do you want? Have you ever asked the Lord, what can I do for you today? When's the last time in prayer you stopped and said, Jesus, I'm not coming to ask for anything, but what can I do for you today? Almost like you pray, you pray to me, not because I'm God. He is always God. But I'm saying, you let me know. You make a request of me. What can I do for you today?
I try to ask the Lord that regularly. Lord, what do you, what do you want from me today? You let me know. Just like you answer my prayers, I don't really, sometimes I'll say, I don't really need anything today, Lord, that I could think of, but, but God, what do you need today? Sometimes the Lord will drop something in my heart. I'll say, okay, I'll get it done, just like I expect you to be faithful. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to get that done today. I'm going to do it. It's almost like I'm answering God's prayers. It's just a two-way relationship. It's a two-way relationship that he wants. You, my cup runs over. What's the point? The Lord cares for you individually and the Lord cares for you personally. How can we care for the Lord in this way? Well, let me just read this to you as we close here. Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Listen, it says that the people were in the first church and it says, and as they ministered to the Lord. Can you say the words ministered to the Lord? How in the world can I minister to God? How can I minister to God? He's the one who ministers to me. Well, it says as they minister to the Lord, a lot of translations will translate this as they worshiped the Lord. As they worshiped the Lord, the Holy Spirit said, when you start ministering to someone, they'll start speaking. When you start taking care of someone, they'll start opening up. Now, you don't do it for that reason, but you know what it is? You start loving someone and ministering to someone, they start trusting you. Because they realize you're not in it for you. You're in it for them. And when they trust you, they'll open up to you. What happened in the book of Acts 13 too? As they ministered to the Lord, the Holy Spirit started speaking. He's like, hey, I can trust y'all. Oh, (laughs) y'all. I can trust you. And here's what I want you to do. He says, now separate to me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work that I've called them to do. They ministered to the Lord. It was a service. It was an act. And listen, worship is about you. Talking to about you and God. Worship is you and God alone. Listen, worship is about you and God alone. Even in a crowd of people. Even in, I can talk with it with my wife because I can relate to this. But even in a crowd of people, I'm in love with Tiffany. Do you know what I mean? There can be a thousand people in the room and I look and I catch eyes with her across the room. And I'm like, hey baby, like I know there's a lot of people in this room, but I can't wait to get to this girl. Why? Because I love her. It's the same thing with the Lord. We're in a worship experience. If we're more aware of how our hands are and how are, are we singing it right and how long is this and what is this and what, what's that dude doing or why is this person yelling out or why is this person moving that kind of way or they're kind of freaky or they're kind of boring or why is that person laying down or something. And we're so aware of the environment instead of being so aware of the only one that matters in this thing and that's him then we missed worship and we got the corporate, but we don't have the worship. Memphis Tabernacle, I declare today, is a church of worshipers. And we corporately gather to worship God, heart to heart, individually. God, may we never grab the corporate and miss the worship. And may we never grab the worship and miss the corporate because there's something about doing that all together as well. 
as well. I know that sometimes when people are learn, trying to learn worship, they'll turn on YouTube. I like that worship. I like that. It was powerful worship. That was great worship. That was, that was worship. It's like watching someone else's close relationship with someone else. And you say, that was great. Living your life through a, a, a novel or a love story or a romantic book or through that. Or a, can I tell you? Create your own love story. I mean, now those things can motivate you. But if you live your life through someone else's romance with Jesus, you'll miss your own. I'm talking about today a table for two. He prepares a table before. You ain't sitting at my table. I mean, when we all gather, we can. But there's a table I have with the Lord. And there's a table you have with the Lord. And he anoints my head and I anoint his head. And he pours out his heart and I pour out my heart. And he shares his, his secret desires and I share my secret mishaps and desires. We can't miss this. I want to share this last story as we close today. And David in the Bible, as he was bringing in the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God. Michael, his wife, I don't know why her name was Michael, but... Nevertheless, her name was Michael. Let's call her Michelle, okay? I'll just call her Michael, okay? Anyway, she was King Saul's daughter. And so she was kind of raised, she was kind of like a PK, but she was a KK. She was a, let's not keep going with that, okay? She was a king's kid, okay? Let's just keep it right there. She was a king's kid. They'll just keep it. She was a king's kid. She watched how the king operated, how he operated around people, how he operated around other dignitaries and all those kinds of things. And so she knew the ways of the king. And so when David, she goes and she marries David, who was a shepherd. Man, he knew dirt and sheep and grass and all this kind of stuff. And so David comes to bring the ark of the Lord. And you know the story. David comes in and he has the ark of the Lord. And the Bible says he's twirling. I mean, that's, that's commitment. He's, twir he's twirling, right? He's twirling. He's dancing. And the Bible says he took off his outer garments. I know people say he danced himself naked. I don't think he was naked. I just think he, was, he was just took off like the kingly stuff. And he kind of became like everybody else and just kind of went. And the Bible says he danced. Look at that in verse uh, in 2 Samuel. He danced, say the words, before the Lord. It says it three or four times. He danced before the Lord. Michael came and confronted him with it. And Michael came and said, oh, you, you don't even know what it's like to operate like a king. And you went and danced off all your clothes like the maidservants. And you know what his first response to his wife was this. Listen to what his first response was. It was before the Lord. Every time I read it, it touches my heart. Let me tell you why. Thank God David didn't know how to be a king in the, in the, in the ways of being raised, like how to present yourself. See, because Saul was called a former king, David was called a man of God's own heart. He said, it was before the Lord, he said, who replaced me for your father. And the Bible says, so I'm going to dance and play music before the Lord and love the Lord. Why? Because he was doing it corporately, but he wanted people to know it wasn't corporate that mattered. If nobody was in the room, he would have done the same thing. If nobody was in the room, he would have danced just as much. Why? Because worship is a table for two. Worship is one-on-one -on -one with God. 
And let me plead with you, my brothers and sisters, if you don't do anything else in your life, develop a relationship with the Lord. Develop intimacy with God. God is my best friend. God is the one that I spend the most time with in my life. And I'm telling you, there's no relationship like a relationship with God. If the whole world could just know that, they'd get off drugs and alcohol and addictions and all the things that's out there. Would you right now as I pray with you, let's just say, God, I open up my heart to you. Come on, forget we're closing this right now. Just say, God, I open up my heart to you. And I want a relationship with you. And I want a friendship with you. And I want to know you. Would you just tell him, Lord, I open up my heart and I want to know you more. Forgive me. Somebody may need to say that. Forgive me for looking at it as a small thing to be with you. Cleanse me, wash me, purify me. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, the plan of salvation is this, that we were born into sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death hell, destruction, but the gift of God, you can't earn it, you can't be good enough or bad enough, is not works, it's eternal life through the cross of Jesus Christ. He died for you, he was raised again on the third day, and he said, I won't turn anyone away. And the book of Romans says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let's confess this today. Say, Jesus, everyone, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. I believe that you died for my sins and were raised on the third day for my salvation. So today I repent of my sins. I repent of my own ways and I make you my Lord, my master, my controller, the lead in my life. I'll serve you forever. Thank you for eternal life. If you've made that decision today, welcome to the family of God. You're saved. You're redeemed. You're bought back. Your sins are forgiven. You don't have to do penance or do any paybacks. You're clean. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Look at me for a moment. We do want you to do this. Baptism starts next week. Would you just sign up for baptism? If you made a decision online, would you just sign up for baptism and come get baptized? Now you can get baptized with your mask on, but would you just come get baptized next week? We want you to be baptized. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.